Welcome, everybody, to the next episode of the Alive Active Shooter Survival Training Podcast. Uh, today, I've got a couple of amazing guests. Both of them are Alive Certified Instructors. I've got uh, Mark Gillespie out of Texas. His company is Gillespie Forensics and Investigations. Uh, hey, Mark, say hi and uh, tell us a little bit about what your company does. Hey, Michael and Joe. Um, my company, like Mike, Michael said, uh, I specialize in uh, forensic consultations, cold cases, uh, human trafficking, missing persons. Uh, I also have a passion for doing uh, personal defense training, a live training, what we're here to talk about today. Um, just very passionate about helping people stay alive and stay vigilant and be situationally aware. Thanks, Mark. Uh, next guest, also a certified Alive instructor, is Joe Savetitz. Uh, he's a managing partner of Risk Management Services. Hey, Joe, how are you today? You're out of Tampa, Florida, and uh, tell us a little bit about what you do with your company. Hey, good morning, Michael, Mark. I uh, hope you guys had a great holiday and looking forward to a new, new healthy, and happy new year uh, tonight. My company is uh, risk management based in the retail sector. Uh, our specialty is that we uh, consult with the independent business owner, the franchisee, the guy who has uh, not much corporate support with regards to security and loss prevention, but yet has all the same problems as the big guys, the internal theft issues, uh, robbery, and violence issues, and so on and so forth. And, and I like to concentrate, just like Mark did, uh, in the area of arming our people, the employees, with the knowledge of of how they can get through their workday and go back home to their loved ones. And Alive is a, is a, the Alive program is, is exactly what is needed. The knowledge is needed out there in the business world. That's it. Agreed. Right on. Thank you, Joe. Um, unfortunately, today uh, we have got another active shooter event to report on. There is a silver lining. Um, instead of a couple of dozen people dying, uh, some armed citizens uh, took action and actually shot and killed the the uh, active shooter. Unfortunately, before that happened, two of the other people in the audience, uh, parishioners, were killed, uh, shot by the perpetrator. Uh, this happened outside of Fort Worth, Texas, at the West Freeway Church. And the gunman, though we don't normally in our training like to talk too much about uh, the gunman, we don't want to give their name or too much video. We don't want to uh, make them celebrities, but on the podcast we do for point of reference. Uh, the gunman's name was Keith Kanunen. He was a 43-year-old male who had been to the church prior, apparently experienced some homelessness, some issues. His um, ex-wife had been uh, has been interviewed, and I guess she said that he definitely had, she quote, crazy was the word she used. So this guy had some either had some mental issues or was just very hostile. Um, but anyway, he decided to take that out on a bunch of other innocent people and they, two of them lost their lives. And, um, also two gentlemen who were prisoners. One was a deacon at the church, Tony Wallace, age 64 and Richard White, age 67. Now this church was proactive enough to create a security team. And in Texas, a lot of people carry guns. They're a very gun-friendly state. And so the uh, parishioners that put together this little team were all armed. And you can see in the video, which I'll show in a second here, 
when this happened, uh, the, one of the guys closest to him, who was part of the church security team, his name was Jack Wilson, uh, drew his firearm and, and shot and killed the guy. Uh, he, this guy's a, a reserve officer and firearms instructor, and you'll see in the video, he's an excellent marksman because he shot the, the gunman in the head as soon as he pulled his weapon, as soon as the uh, white uh, Jackson, excuse me, Jack Wilson pulled his weapon. Um, <clears throat> and unfortunately, one of the other church security uh, members uh, had started to pull his weapon, but unfortunately was, um, was shot before he was able to actually uh, take action. So I'm going to uh, just real quick, I'm going to share this video. Um, this is the incident we're talking about. You'll see right up here, this guy's got the gun. He shoots. This guy starts to pull his gun, shoots him, shoots him. And this is Jack Wilson. He immediately takes him out. Boom. Look at that. Right to the head. That is an amazing shot. So you'll see. It just now he... he grabs the firearm, pulls it out, is pointing this, this, this guy here is the other man that was part of the security team. He starts to pull his weapon, um, but, and I believe was saying something or yelling this guy to put the gun down, which at that point, obviously we know an active shooter is not going to be reasoned with. The pastor is up here. He's still, it looks like he's kind of unaware of what's going on, but these people here see what's, what's happening. Uh, these folks here don't really know what's going on. And then he shoots with a, it's a, looks like a shotgun. I don't know if it's a short stock or not. Shoots this guy. He drops, shoots or other way around. Yep. Then shoots this guy. And then Jack Wilson opens fire. Boom. Now that is a pretty amazing shot. Uh, most people would say, well, he was up close and they watch too much television. But the fact is to hit this guy in the head from probably 20 to 25 feet away. And the, the guy was moving to, uh, to the, to the, uh, to Jack Wilson's right. That's a pretty amazing shot. So uh, we can only speculate how many more people would have been killed had this person not taken action. Now I'll, I'll show you also, um, what happens then you'll see other security guys start to mobilize and come up towards it, pointing their weapons. Everyone's ducking. There's a guy with a gun, another security, another security guy there. So they were, prepared um they they apparently had been watching this guy since he walked in the door he was suspicious acting a little fidgety you know just because someone's acting differently doesn't mean that we can immediately assume that they're going to be a threat or ask the guy to you know leave um that probably wouldn't be right a church is going to should be a safe haven for people that are troubled but unfortunately bad people are doing things like this so it was handled really really really, really well, um, at least by the one guy. Uh, I saw a post on Facebook earlier today, uh, um, somebody that was 
I would say he was kind of Monday morning quarterbacking the whole response, but he was pretty accurate. He was dead on with his assessment about the right and wrong way to do things. Unfortunately, in a situation like this, rarely is anyone going to act perfectly unless they have trained and they know exactly what they're doing, which is what we promote, obviously. Uh, but Jack Wilson, the guy that actually shot the killer, he did, he did everything he was supposed to. He, he's, he's absolutely a hero, and that's what he's being uh, credited as being by everyone in the community. Um, Mark, our very own instructor, was on the news yesterday. Uh, he's in Texas, and um, the news got a hold of him and said, hey, you're, uh, you're an expert, and you teach a, uh, an active shooter survival um, course. What do you think about it? So, Mark, tell us about yesterday. Well, it was, it, it was pretty interesting, uh, Michael. It, yeah, I got contacted, and, uh, of course, you're always kind of nervous about being contacted to be, to be on the news. But um, I, I got contacted by uh, three of the four major networks here and have an interview set up, uh, a couple interviews set up at the end of this week. But... Uh, CBS wanted to come out to my office, sit down, and, and do a, a video shoot uh, for the 10 o'clock news. And they, you know, surprisingly, they were extremely interested in, in what Alive was all about. And um, uh, I sat down with them, they, and, and, we, and we just had a conversation about, uh, you know, about the acronym, the, the individual elements of the acronym, and uh, we had a very, very good discussion. And uh, I mean, it would be nice if they could play the 50 minute interview, um, but they could only play, you know, a couple minutes of it. But, but I felt they, they compiled a very good story. Uh, they, I feel they did a good job conveying what a live active shooter survival training program is about. And, um, and then they got my feedback on, you know, what I felt about, you know, mindset, you know, uh, precautionary rea uh, reactionism, uh, you know, things like that, things that we teach. So yeah. it was, it was a good experience. And I, and uh, I hope people um, will jump on board and seek this type of training. Yep. Well, I got the clip, so I'm going to show that real quick. Um, this is your interview yesterday. With each widely reported mass shooting, instructors say interest in active shooter survival training increases. That's the case for one company in mm -hmm. Cedar Park. CBS Austin Jordan Bonke joins us live in the studio now. He talked to an expert who teaches a mindset to survive active killers. Yeah, and that mindset actually comes from the context of this acronym. It ranges from knowing where the exits are, where you are, all the way down to fighting back against someone who may be a killer. We spoke with those who've taken this course, and they said that it could save lives. Each time there's an active shooter scenario, like what happened at a church near Fort Worth this past weekend, people like security expert Mark Gillespie see an influx of interest in his course to survive an active killer. I think had there not been a person with a handgun in White Settlement, that church, uh, there would have been many, many more people killed. The course teaches a mindset stemming from the context of this acronym, ALIVE. Assess the threat by knowing your surroundings. Leave or know a way to escape. Impede the threat by putting space or time by hiding between you and the attacker. V is for violence against the threat. Gillespie says that if you can inflict harm on the attacker, do it. 
And if it means that you have to take that person's life, then by all means do it, because he's there to take your life. And lastly, expose. Communicate to responding law enforcement that you're not the threat and you're just trying to survive. Gillespie says that some who took this course used the very training to survive a shooting in 2017 when a gunman shot down from a Las Vegas hotel to a concert crowd below. This training will help people develop a better mindset about the world that we live in, that there's a lot of evil out there. Part of the class teaches most active shooter incidents end in five minutes or less. The course hopes to give those who take it confidence to know how to survive what could be the scariest moments of your life. In this particular case, a will to live, a will to survive, a will to, to be secure and, and to help everyone around you be, be safe and secure. Now this is the class that can range anywhere from an hour to three hours. For more information on it, you can click on this story on our website at CBSAustin.com. Live in the studio tonight, Jordan Bonke, CBS Austin News. Thank you. Well done, Mark. Nicely done, my friend. And uh, yeah, that's you. You, you kind of highlighted what what we teach, and they highlighted it very well. That was uh, that was an excellent piece. Uh, I want to go back to, and and I'd like to get um, I'd like to get your guys's thoughts on this. So I'm going to show the video again. And since you know what we want to do is talk about on this podcast how Alive helps people and what we can do. Uh, in the training. So let's, I'm going to bring that screenshot back up and I want to talk about, and you guys chime in. Uh, I want to talk about how these people could have used Alive in this situation. And <clears throat> we know that Alive, the, you know, the, the five steps of Alive, it, it's a mindset, it's a, it's a, a kind of a philosophy and it's a foundation for what you're supposed to do. But so many different scenarios exist that we can use it in. We can't say, okay, in the assess process for this, this is exactly what you do. We can, but there's just so many different active shooter scenarios that can happen. Uh, we kind of have to broad brush it. But since we have video of an act actual incident, I want to kind of comment on it, break down it a little bit about what the people in this audience could do if they use those five steps of alive. So I'm just going to pull this up again. So, so let's say that uh, somebody that hopefully everybody here had had the alive training. Thank God that these guys were armed and could take care of business. But what if they weren't? What if they were the ones that had to save themselves? Now the shooter who ended up being this gentleman up here, uh, the alive process would be acted out very differently depending on where you were in the audience. For instance, if you were one of these people right here and suddenly this guy stood up and was pointing a gun in this direction and you were aware of it because they probably didn't even know until the first shot rang out, the really what the best course of action would have been for them would have been to uh, one, either run this way but even better, if they could, since there was multiple, and we talk about swarm in the uh, violence portion of Alive, if they could have just grabbed this guy and jumped on him. Unfortunately, these people probably did not know until, the first, until they heard the first gunshot. These people here, you can see, are watching this interaction, so they know something's going on. <clears throat> and it's really going to come down to 
you know, what their mindset is. Are they, a, you know, a sheep or a sheepdog? And most people, as we know, are sheep. That's okay. Nothing wrong with that. If there, these gentlemen were obviously sheep dogs, this guy here and the guy that shot him, Jack Wilson. Um, but what would they have done? Uh, they had, they could have just dove on the ground and, and perhaps been shot and killed if this guy had not been taken out because he would have then had these people right here to start shooting at. But what if you're this guy right here or this lady? Um, in the five steps, assess being the first one, these people are certainly hopefully in the assess process here because they're going, what's going on? But are they, are they considering the possibility of this, this man being disruptive or is he, is he just disruptive or could he have a gun and could he act out in the way that he did? If you're one of these people, you're not going to be able to do anything. So they should have immediately, if they could see, now not everybody saw what was happening. If we show the video, once the first shot rang out, they probably knew it was in this, this area over here, but who knows if they could have even seen what was going on, depending on how, how tall they were. So these people here, most the best course of action would have been to leave, and that would have been to get low and start traveling this direction because you've got all these hardwood uh, benches in the way if he did start shooting in this direction. Uh, this, the pastor probably could have gone this direction. They're, they're in an open area like this. There's not much you can do in the way of impeding them. Uh, the, uh, perhaps run in through this doorway here. There's a room back here. There's probably another doorway over, uh, over here where he could have run. Um, and these people up here probably could have done the same thing, which might have been a very good idea. But these people here, and let's see how long it takes for them to actually see what's going on. First shot, first shot there, everyone reacts. This guy immediately senses what's going on and his wife hugs herself, which is very common. We've seen that in one of the videos we show on our training. She hugs herself and puts her head down. Now this would have been probably somebody that would have frozen. Nope, she got down, good for her. It's her husband that actually didn't do anything. Like he's, he's watching, watching him. him. He's watching him. Now, there's a, probably a pretty good reason why he's doing what he's doing. He's right now observing what's happening, and he can see what's happening, so he knows what's going on with the shooter. A lot of these people, including his wife, just immediately hit the deck, which, good for her. That's certainly better than, than sitting straight up. This guy isn't doing any – well, actually, this guy uh, looks like he's taking care of his wife. <clears throat> these people are still upright. This guy's probably, he has eyes on the situation so he can continue to assess it and then act as necessary. Now, this woman has seen the gunman go down, so she's starting to stand up, and then these people are all hitting the ground. This woman here, Looks like she's facing the other direction and doesn't know what to do. And these folks here are still watching what's going on. You know, in a situation like that, and I, you know, it, again, it's so easy to Monday morning quarterback, but until you're actually in that situation, you know, what do you do? The things that are going through your mind are what the hell is happening? Um, you know, was that a gunshot? Yes, it was. What do I do? Where did it come from? So, you're going to, some people are going to panic 
And some people are immediately going to be like, okay, I need to take action. And that's, again, the difference between, you know, sheep and sheepdogs. You guys have any comments on this? Uh, yeah, I do actually a lot. Uh, to echo what you say, you know, that church is a uh, congregation is made up predominantly of, of elderly, elderly people. And um, so their mobility is very restricted to a large degree. Um, I, I found it interesting to, to see the placement of the shooter where he placed himself in the church. So I don't know why he picked that particular area. Um, I mean, I don't know what he was thinking, but that was actually, he, he was kind of uh, kind of blocked in to a degree because it looked like he was in sort of a corner. Yeah. So his mobility uh, in, in some ways was, would have been restricted had he lived. But, you know, in that church, there's, there's really only one way in, one way out when you're in a, sitting in the pew. And, and when you go back to that video and you see the, the initial shot fired, those people, I mean, in mass, very uniform, in a very uniform fashion, they took cover and they took cover under the pews. And I'm thinking, you know, in a, in a office or in a school, you know, you see people just running for the exits. These people, they dove for cover underneath the pew, which was actually probably one of the best things that they could do. Because th there was a built-in logjam bottleneck just by the construction of the pews, the shape of the church, and the fact that these were elderly people. The, the best thing they did was to seek cover instead of running for the aisles. Um, and, and I'm particularly referring to the ones that were closest to the shooter. Um, and, you know, yeah. these people, these people are not predisposed to this type of activity. They probably haven't been uh, active, you know, in, 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 in many, many years. So their mobility is fairly restricted and their awareness is probably not as good as what, we, what you would see with the younger person. So I would be surprised. I'm not surprised that any, that people did not jump the shooter immediately. Um, now, if it had been people that had, had gone through this training uh, or maybe they were of, of a younger generation, they may not hesitate to jump that shooter in mass and take him down. So, uh, Joe, what do you think? Well, I think the great observations, Mark, um, and I agree with you um, in, in that age category, the not being as mobile, not being as quick and you know nimble as, as a younger person would be. But I wonder, uh, and I'm sure we'll find this out later on, since this, since this church was astute enough to have security guys there and, and knew who they were. And as we can see, um, a lot of them produced weapons after the incident. Um, I wonder if they maybe had some type of, during a session, maybe somebody talked about, if this happens, this is what you do. So, because you said it, that jumped right out at me too. They jumped right down on the floor and they put the barrier of the pews uh, not all of them, but most of them, most of them did react that way. So I would think that they probably had some form of uh, awareness about, you know, a situation happening like that. And let's face it, uh, wasn't there another shooting in Texas within the past year or so that prompted the law to change where they were allowed to bring weapons mm -hmm. into the church? 
Yeah, absolutely. That law yeah. changed two years ago. Yeah. Uh, Mark, what is the, explain that to me because a church is, I mean, it's, it's actually got more rights than regular private property. You know, they're, they're tax exempt and so forth. How is it that the government had any say on whether uh, guns could be brought in? I, I would understand if this was a policy of the church, but how were the laws before and now um, in regards to having weapons in a church? Well, the good question. The law initially, before it was changed, uh, a church is a gun-free zone. Uh, that was that was the law. You could not bring a handgun onto within, you know, on a church property. Um, and then because of you know Texas being kind of a, a leader in in gun rights and the Second Amendment, uh, you know, there there was a lot of a lot of hue and cry about and movement towards uh, relaxing the rules. And I think some of the, some of the incidents that we've seen have, have enabled, you know, the people of Texas to realize that, you know, guns should be allowed in church under, under some circumstances. So keep in mind that in, in Texas, you have, you have two scenarios um, carrying a handgun. It's you have open carry and you have concealed carry. Open carry is governed by uh, the statute, what's called 30.07, 30.07. Concealed carry is governed by 30.06. Um, the church can still decide, the, the leadership of the church can still decide and determine if they want to allow uh, no carry, open carry, or concealed carry. Um, or any kind of carry. So, and I don't know what this particular church has done, um, but I know that they've also allowed churches to have security teams, either uh, volunteer or uh, contracted security teams, armed in within the churches. So. It, I think this this incident will will serve as a model across the state for other churches um, to to follow suit. Yeah, uh, I, I I agree with that. Um, you know, I I don't like to get too political. Yeah, who am I kidding? Of course I do. I don't care. Um, it's unfortunate that <clears throat> I have not seen this coverage much on uh, any other network than Fox because this does not go with the agenda and narrative of liberal media. So uh, well, they're not, they're, <clears throat> they're not showing. Go ahead, Joe. I was going to say, um, I saw CBS this morning and they did a very nice, fair assessment and segment. And the reporter said the same thing you, you had done, Mark, that the law had changed and this is, was what the law was created to do just this. They weren't, uh, they were not talking bad about having weapons in the church. They were talking about how this is how that law was meant to be uh, portrayed, and, and it actually worked here. One of the commentators then said, well, this is a good situation, but you know it brings up the argument of guns again. So uh, yeah, it was fair. It was fair from, from a different network, which I felt. I, I felt, okay, maybe they're understanding well, good. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you know they're showing this. Now, could this have gone badly? Yes, absolutely, it could have. This was a very 
I mean, much more badly than it already did. But let's say that um, these this security team were not as well trained as this firearms instructor Jack Wilson was, and people had you know immediately jumped up in front of between him and the shooter, and they would have accidentally shot um, good people. Yeah, it could have happened. It absolutely could have happened. But this is a model. Michael. Michael. Go ahead, Mark. Go ahead. Um, this is a model for the way it's supposed to be. So if you're going to have people acting as security in a church, in a school, in an office building, whatever, uh, on airplanes, it doesn't matter. They, they've got to be proficient with their firearm or they're just as dangerous as the bad guy. Uh, but this is, I think, I think Mark said it or Joe this is going to be the model. This is going to change things. They're, they saw the successful um, uh, a version of a much greater, higher death toll because these people acted, because they were prepared, they were there, and they knew what to do, and they did it. They did it correctly. Go ahead, Mark. Michael, this incident had, like I said in my, my interview, had, had there not been an armed security team, this incident could very easily have been one of the worst yep. active shooter casualty scenarios that, that we've ever seen. Now, I don't know what he was armed with. I don't know what his Other than uh, a shotgun. arsenal consisted of and the, yeah. and the reloads, but those people were basically sitting ducks, fish in a barrel, and it, it, would, have been, it would have been catastrophic. Um, yep. For our, for our country. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. So unfortunately, two men, two people lost their lives, but this is going to be a great example. If nothing else, it's going to bring awareness to, for certainly the, the, the community of the House of Worship community, they're going to go, oh boy, uh, maybe we better do something because it could happen anywhere, literally anywhere. And we, and we teach that. Real quick, I want to go back to the video I thought it's interesting. Watch how the pastor reacts. And again, I'm not judging anybody's behavior in a negative way. I, I, I think what we're doing is we're using this to show how people react, how they act in a situation like this. And some people react one way and some people react the other. And we want to use this as a learning experience. So I'm going to go back to the video real quick. Let's watch the pastor and I think it's interesting, when he realizes what's happening, he, he does react very quickly, but I'm wondering if part of the way he reacted, I think he panicked a little bit, understandably, I think most of us would, because he actually dives right here instead of the lowest point, which would have taken him a split second longer, and he would have had better cover and concealment from here. So... Now, this is a good example. He, he starts working his way down. Now, I want to use this as an example. And again, I'm not judging this man. <laughs> I've not been in his shoes, so I'm not going to say he did something right or wrong. But I do want to highlight what a typical reaction is for people when they become overcome with the stress of this type of situation and what the more beneficial reaction would be. You, you saw him when he dove down, he went nose to the floor. So he was literally, he could not see. And in the assess process and then throughout uh, the rest of the process, we teach 
if you can keep your eyes on the shooter, then you're going to know how to, you'll, you'll be better educated and know how to react. If you don't know where they are, you're not going to know what to do. So let's say uh, this, this guy had, um, if, the, if the bad guy with a gun up here, if he had been pointing this way right here at the pastor and he was face down, he would not have known that you know he he would have he could have easily been shot if he saw that he was starting to turn the weapon towards him he could have then rolled down or got off, got, got up and take off took off running we know for a fact i mean we know this and we teach this a moving target is much harder to hit uh so even if he was shooting at him if if he was running he would have had a much harder time hitting him whoops so, anyway, uh, what did you think about that? Well, I think, uh, you know, again, the, the awareness and how to uh, react uh, is, is obviously paramount. And having at least the, the foresight in your mind to gameplay it, plan it in your head of what would I do if, you know, that certainly would, would, would have helped. The other thing I, I think that, we need to be cognizant of is, and, and Mark, you had mentioned this earlier about uh, having it be a catastrophic incident. The choice of weapon that the assailant used was apparently a shotgun. Had he come in with an, a semi-automatic uh, or something else and just started to spray, it could have been equally as devastating. So I think lucky luck was on a lot of people's side yesterday. God was in that house, I guess you could yep. say. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, every one of these incidences that happens, as unfortunate as they are, it helps us prepare and educates us for what should have been done differently, what was done right. Um, and there's certainly some things that were done right in this situation. And I definitely believe we're going to start to see, um, we're going to see a lot of things happening um, in the in the house of worship community to beef up their security and be be better prepared. And there's a lot of good companies out there that do the training. You know, obviously we're partial to ours because we know it works. We we know survivors that used it. But uh, I just like I tell everybody, any training. It, well, let's say most training is better than no training. When when. I've said it before when, when, when a, uh, in a scenario, when some of these companies train people and then some guy comes in from the back of the room with a, with a blank gun and scares the hell out of everybody, that's not good training. That's irresponsible training, but all other training is better than no training. So we certainly like, uh, people to come to us because we know our training works, but, um, you know, any, any training is better than nothing. So, um, what do you, you guys have anything else to, uh, to add on this incident? I just want to add one thing, if I may, uh, it's going to be interesting to, to see what their, their after action report or the, yeah. the lessons learned are from this incident. And I, and I'm sure they will produce one. Um, but when, when you look at that video and you see the position of the shooter, the location in the church, and you see the first victim was relatively close and he looked like he was armed and you see the, uh, the hero, uh, what's it, I forget his name, Ralph or Jack uh, Wilson. He was, he was close. 
he was close by also. So I'm I'm curious if they, you know, they, they surely knew this guy was up there, but they didn't know what he was up to. So, I mean, last Sunday, I wonder where these guys were within the church. Uh, so my point is, did they position themselves based on the location of, of the deceased person? Uh, From and, the shooter? And, and basically, we're kind of gearing up, gearing, right, gearing up for a potential incident. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just curious about that. But I think they, they uh, you know, they may have profiled the person as, as someone to bear considerable watch over. Um, and although we lost two people, they, they, they were in the right place at the right time. Yeah. To that point, Mark, I think, I, I believe I read or heard, uh, and it looks like from this that they were actually uh, positioning themselves tactically. The guy that the, the, the church security guy with a gun that was actually shot, I think he was the first or second one shot. Uh, it looked like he was standing right. there kind of observing this guy. And I believe that they, from what I understand, they were aware or they saw this guy and he was fidgety and thought, mm, that's interesting. And uh, so I believe that they were kind of keeping an eye on him and positioning himself. This That reminds me um, of, of a situation I was in. Uh, there, We have a public entity client that they like me to do the, uh, the, uh, protection work at their, their uh, board meetings. And when I, so when I can, I do, I go there and I sit through the board meetings and I'm, of course I'm armed and, you know, I do my thing. I remember uh, to that point, one time a guy came in and he went up to speak during the public comments portion section. And he was acting a little bit uh, agitated and he start to say some things that really didn't make a lot of sense based on what he should have been talking about. So I repositioned myself by going up and literally sitting down next to the podium where he was speaking. And at that point started looking, you know, to see bulges in his, you know, uh, in his calf area under his shirt or something like that. And I was ready to do, you know, what I had to do based on the fact that he was acting, um, in a way that I thought was probably something to take notice of. And we teach the situation, situational awareness and proactive reactionism in, in alive. And probably this is a very sim similar situation. These guys thought he's a person of interest based on his behavior, just in case let's get a little bit closer so we can react the way we need to. Unfortunately, the one security um, member, was unable to draw his weapon fast enough. And um, it's very, very unfortunate. He was certainly in the process of drawing his weapon, but he just was not able to to do it before he was shot and killed. So to your point, I believe they probably were kind of preparing for the what if or just in case scenario. Mm -hmm. All right, gentlemen, do you have anything else? All right. Well, I want to thank you uh, for being a part of the podcast as usual. Uh, I want to thank you for being valued instructors of the Alive program. Uh, for any viewers, any information on the program, um, activeshootersurvivaltraining.com. We've got our next instructor certification course coming up January 24th and 25th in like three and a half weeks here in Southern California. Um, if there's anybody out there watching this that's interesting in becoming interested in becoming a, a certified instructor, go to the website, go to the training edu education page in the um, instructor course tab, 
and uh, fill out that information. We'll be uh, happy to send you some stuff. And if you're qualified to take the training and teach the class, we would love to have you. Um, it is December 31st, and we've had quite a year. Uh, Alive has continued to explode, uh, unfortunately, based on demand. And the, the unfortunate part is that there is a lot of demand for what we do. Um, it's sad, it's unfortunate, and I believe one day with continued training uh, by us and others and enhanced um, physical security apparatus to try and you know keep these bad guys out of where they are need to be, and also hopefully there will be some a little bit more psychological awareness uh, to spot the warning signs when people are troubled and they're about to do something like this so we can talk them off the ledge, so to speak. Uh, or, um, you know, keep them from doing this sort of thing. So hopefully if we keep doing what we're doing, someday things will change. But unfortunately, it has only gotten worse. And 2020 will probably be um, the same. They'll probably continue and, and we'll, we'll just continue doing what, what we do to try and prevent these sorts of situations. So gentlemen, I want to thank you again for everything that you do um, and uh, wish you a, a wonderful new year. And I will... Um, Look forward to seeing you guys again very soon. Goodbye. Thank you, Mary. Happy New Year, too. <laughs>